All right. Well, I tell you what, guys, if you have your Bibles and you'd like to turn with me to Luke chapter two, I'm going to do something a little different. Normally, I have Eric reading the scriptures, and today I'm going to be doing it in the midst of the service. I'm going to be really trying to get about four or five messages or four or five uh, texts uh, from the scriptures, and we're going to do that in the middle of the message. So it's a little bit different today, but I will get there. If you want to grab your phone or if you want to grab your uh, scriptures, whatever you have there, we're going to go from there in just a few moments. So we've been talking a little bit about some of the iconic images of Christmas and uh, some of those things uh, that are so familiar to us. We've been talking about candles and the star and the Christmas ornaments and the Christmas lights on the Christmas tree and Santa who's wearing his mask for COVID and everything. I mean, we've got all kinds of stuff that is just an iconic imagery when it comes to uh, the Christmas season. But one of the things that is really kind of unnoticed, but is definitely touching on almost every single part, and that is the idea and the concept of light. If you really stop and think about the fact that Christmas light and Christmas lights, how many of you guys in here ever have just gone to see Christmas lights and that's been a thing and that's been an activity, right? Do you ever do that any other time of year? No, you do not. Like you don't jump in the car and go, hey, let's play some Christmas carols and let's go look at people's porch lights. No, you don't do that, right? It's just a very different kind of time of year and it's a very important part of our Christmas season. But it is not just simply uh, an observation, it is almost a challenge to us because the Lord said in his Sermon on the Mount that we are the light of the world. And so if we want to see our world a little less dark, then that job falls to us. We know the light of the world, and so because of that, we shine and be a part of shining our light in a small way, and it honors the light of the world. And so Light Shines in the Darkness is the message series that we've been talking about. And it's not just simply an observation, but it's also a challenge for us as Christians that our job is to shine the light in a dark world because this world needs some light in it at this time. Where have we been? Let's just talk a little bit about, we've talked a little bit about the New York City lights. And yes, I did correct that the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree stands somewhere between 75 and 100 foot tall. And it is an iconic image. But look at this. Isn't this beautiful? I mean, and this just kind of reminds you of our world during Christmas is just a little different. I don't know about you, but they don't really talk about angels a lot in New York City. No offense to my New Yorkers in the house, if any of you are here today. But this is something that we see around Christmas time that you just don't normally see in a week-to-week, month-to-month basis. But at Christmas time, we begin to honor those lights of the world that we see. Last, year, uh, last week, we talked a little bit about the Smithsonian article that talked a little bit about the Christmas star. You can go back and check that out and listen to that one more time if you're wondering and going a little deeper. And then we talked about, even last year, they talked about the Christmas star when Jupiter and Saturn, the two largest planets in our solar system, kind of conjoined a little bit in in the naked eye. And it was the biggest and brightest thing that we've seen as far as stars go in about 800 years. And it happened basically on the longest day of the year. And so you can kind of get a sense of how the light shines in the darkness back in the day. And then we find that incredible passage in Isaiah chapter 9 that's kind of been almost like a a theme verse for us. And you can see it up here on the next slide. Uh, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. 
The government will be on his shoulders. And you guys know this very familiar passage at the end. And he will be called what? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And these titles, these names are all things that are only given and ascribed to God himself. And they are ascribed to the child that would be given to us. The child that we know now as Jesus Christ. The one who changed everything for us. So let me just go and say, I've talked a little bit about this. I've shared this over the last couple of weeks. But this next slide is something that I want to remind you of. I don't know why it is in our human condition but this is just the truth and a reality that we need to grasp and understand. Sometimes the very thing that we feel hitting us and kind of bearing down on us drives us not away from it, but even further into the darkness. And here's what I mean. For example, if you remember uh, the last couple of years, we've been talking about how so much of the pandemic, many people have kind of had an opportunity or a, a feeling of needing to withdraw. And yet the very thing that we need the most is not to be disconnected, but to be reconnected, right? And so the difficulty that we're having and that we're struggling through is sometimes the thing that we need the very most is the thing that we desire and the thing that we pursue the least. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? How many of y'all have ever had that experience? Like whenever you are alone and lonely... It's almost harder to get out and get connected to other people than if you hadn't been lonely in the first place. And yet that is the thing that you need more than anything else. And so if you ever feel the darkness creeping in, whether that's emotionally, spiritually, relationally, I want to encourage you, you might have to go against the thing that your heart is telling that you want to do, but you need to do this thing and that is to seek the light, especially during Christmas, man, don't let yourself go down that dark path and let the darkness set in inside of you, but instead go towards the light and the things that God has done in your life. I want to drill down on this concept today and let's kind of begin here. Let's go to this next slide. Oh, all right. Well, how many of you guys know what this is? I know nobody here knows what this is at all, right? The great news is, is that during the pandemic, I finished Netflix. It was awesome. I like got to the very end and it's like, congratulations, you're finished, right? I mean, we had all this time. And so there we were, it's just us and the remote. There's a funny thing. I don't know what you guys think that things are like at the pastor's house, but I'll just tell you, we watch movies. We, we watch movies. I mean, we don't just sit around and, you know, pray and uh, light candles and stuff. We actually watch movies, but... I do the picking of the movies, and I'm going to tell you why. And I'm going to tell you why in front of everybody so she can't reach me right now. Um, because here's the truth. My wife is an amazing woman, gifted and talented beyond compare, except for when it comes to choosing movies. The woman is seriously, seriously hindered in her ability to choose movies. Babe, let's call it like it is. It's a spade is a spade. This is true. Am I right? It's literally almost a surprise when you choose a good movie rather than a bad movie. This is true, right? You're laughing because it's pretty much true. <laughs> I'm telling you guys this because here's the truth. I don't know. Are any of y'all into scary movies? Scary, okay, a couple of y'all are into scary movies. You know there's two kinds of scares in a scary movie? Did y'all know that? 
There is what they call the jump scare. Do y'all know what the jump scare is? That's when you're walking along and somebody goes, ah, and you're like, ah, you know, that kind of thing where you jump. And then there's the scare that's like, uh, and then you, uh, you know, and you kind of start doing this, you know, with your hands and you don't realize it, but you're starting to go, you know, and your mouth is open and your hands are starting to sweat and you're, and you're tense and you're like, and you kind of go, oh my goodness, I've been like sitting on the edge of my seat for this whole time. That's a different kind of fear, right? There's the jump scare and then there's the fear that builds, right? You understand. So in movies that we watch, we usually don't watch a ton of scary movies, but just if you're a Netflix connoisseur, uh, first, A, don't let Shelly choose your movies, and B, understand there's two different kinds of scare in a scary movie. Now you've been enlightened. Congratulations. Okay, so as we go on to this next slide, there's something that we need to learn, and this is it. There are five angelic appearances in Jesus' birth narratives. First to Zechariah, that's John the Baptist's father. Second to Mary, and then to Joseph to address his fears. And then to the shepherds in the fields, and then finally to Joseph to tell him to flee to Egypt with Jesus and with Mary. That's five different times an angel appears in this birth narrative of Jesus. That's found in basically in Luke chapter 1 and 2 and Matthew chapter 1 and 2. And I ask you to find Luke chapter 1. We're going to talk about those passages of Scripture. And this is where we're going to read. We're going to hit four different passages all in a row, and they're all in a different vein. So sometimes as you read the scriptures, you read the scriptures and you say, I'm going from chapter to chapter and chapter to chapter, and you just go in that route. But another way that you can study the scriptures is to study a topic. And that's what we're actually going to do today. Usually what we do is we just simply study chapter to chapter, verse to verse. Today, we're going to look at the topic of these angelic appearances and what they have in common and what they have in common with Netflix. Okay, yes, there is a point. Hang with me. Let's go to this next slide. In Luke chapter 1, if you do have your Bibles, I want us to actually stand together if you don't mind. It will make sure that your blood is flowing. It's make sure that some of you guys who are starting to get comfortable... You're, you're, you're not going to drift off on me, you know, when, when I ever do this, you know, that's for you. All right, so Luke chapter 1, verse 1, 11 and through 13, it says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, this is Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, that's the angel, he was startled, and what's the part that I bolded there? And was gripped with what? Fear. You see where I'm going with this? Keep, keep with me here. But the angel said to him, what? Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Now stop for just a second. There's a jump scare and then there's a fear. The jump scare is, oh my goodness, there's an angel standing next to the altar. That's the jump scare. You guys with me? Read the passage a little further down. He's not talking about being afraid of the jump scare. Do you see it? He's talking about, you have been afraid that your life will pass and you won't have an heir to leave, but your prayers have been answered. Do you see what God is doing here? He, he's, he's addressing your very immediate, the, 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 the right now, but he is also addressing the very deepest need of your soul. This is what is so beautiful about God. It is not just the immediate and the here and now and the very moment that I fear and feel in this moment, but he is also going to the place where he says, and I know your heart and what you're really most afraid of is this. 
and I'm addressing that too. If you guys are with me, y'all say amen. amen. So your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Let's go to this next slide. And this is Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. And if you have your Bible and you're open or your app is open, you can kind of just scroll down a little bit. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And then it continues on the next slide. And Mary was greatly troubled. You know what that basically means? Mary was afraid. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, what? Do not be afraid, Mary. Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. Let's go to this next slide. This is Matthew chapter 1. You can read off the screen here instead because I know we're jumping around. And yes, eventually, I, I do realize you're still standing, but I am going to have you sit down in a minute, in a minute, in a minute. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 1, verse 19 through 20. Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose Mary to public disgrace. So he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Back in those days, a divorce was necessary if you were engaged, basically. That's betrothed or engaged. That engagement meant you had to write a certificate of divorce and give it to her. That's how it was back in those days and in that culture. But after he had considered this, what? An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, what? Do not be afraid. Do you guys see where I'm going with this? Over and over and over, the angels keep appearing and they keep saying the same thing. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid is not just because they jump on the scene and it's the jump scare. It is do not be afraid because there are things that are deep in your heart that I've already addressed and you don't even know it. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Let's go to this next slide. And this is in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I'd say that's afraid at 10, right? So the angel said to them, what? Do not be afraid. Four times, the first four times that the angels appear in these birth narratives... They say the same exact thing to all of these different people, and they're all basically the same words. Do not be afraid. I want us to talk a little bit about that today. And he goes on and he says, I will bring you good tidings of great joy for all people. And you guys, let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. You can be seated. Thank you so much. See, I told you I didn't forget that y'all were standing. By the way, if you're over 65 and I ask everybody to stand, you're exempt next time. All right, just letting you know. That way we can still be friends and you'll still keep coming to church. All right, let's go to this next slide. And this is our big idea. Jesus came to our world to end our fear and replace it with trust in God. Jesus came to our world to end our fear and replace it with trust in God. 
Can I just say something? It should bother you if fear dominates your life and yet you call yourself a Christian. Because the truth of the matter is, is that he says over and over in his word, I mean, I could go through and give you different passages of scripture like the one in Timothy, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. And you can go on and on down the line. If your life begins and ends with the fears that you have, you've got to find a way to replace it with trust in God because God did not come into the world so that we could just live the same way we lived without him here. Just didn't. I I keep saying this in this message series, but why in the world did he come in the first place? He came to change everything, including for you and for me. And if it hasn't changed everything for you and for me, it's not because his power is not there. It's because we haven't allowed it and brought it into our lives to the point where it changes us from the inside out. That's why he came. And if we haven't got to that point, it's not because God's power is not sufficient or able. It's because we have allowed him to be turned down in our life. We have put the limiter on his influence in our life. It's that we are constantly embracing unloving and pursuing other things that have nothing to do with him or his kingdom or his work or his his mindset and mentality. And those things that we constantly embrace will pull us in that direction. Direction. And so if we're not very careful, he will, be, <laughs> he will be somebody that we love but don't love. If you're listening to the podcast, I'm pointing to my head. We love, but we don't love in our hearts the way that he desires for us to love. God came to our world to end our fear and replace it with trust in God. Would you guys say that out loud with me? Ready? One, two, three. Jesus came to our world to end our fear and replace it with trust in God. All right, very good. So what exactly are we afraid of? We're afraid of rejection. We don't want to be rejected. We don't want to be other. We don't want to be ostracized. We're fear of being discovered to be... I could have put a blank there because maybe you're afraid of being discovered to not be what you seem. Or maybe you are afraid to be something that you do not seem. I don't know. I don't know what your fear of being discovered is. I know that one of the things that uh, I have talked a little bit about and heard a little bit about recently is what's called imposter series, uh, sy- syndrome. Have you all ever heard of imposter syndrome? Any of you all know what that means? It basically, you're looking around and you're like, man, I don't deserve what I got, but I don't want to act like I don't deserve what I got. So I'm just going to lay low, keep my mouth shut, pretend, put on a good front, pretend I deserve every bit of this salary and all this other stuff that I got going on and just hope nobody finds out that I'm not quite all that. Imposter syndrome. I couldn't say it right, but that's okay. Do any of y'all know what an imposter syndrome is now that I told you? All right. Okay. I'm not going to ask you if you Embrace imposter syndrome. I'm just saying, do you understand what it is? What about the fear of the future? For many of us, man, especially if you're old like me, I don't fear death the way I used to because it's like, man, I could probably use the rest. Can I get an amen? (laughs) I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. But, all right, y'all judge me. That's fine. That's fine. Don't tell me you hadn't thought about it. Now, here's the thing. If you're over 50, you've thought about it. Amen? All right, so you don't fear the future as far as it ending in death as much as you used to, especially if you know the Lord, but maybe you fear the future and those things that you feel like you've got under control that you can't control 
or those things that you know that you can't control and they're coming and you can hear them. (laughs) And it isn't a jump scare because you saw them coming from a long ways away, but they make you afraid in your heart for days and weeks and months and even years, the fear of the future. Or maybe the fear of surrendering the control of our life. And can I just say, or perceived control? Because if you didn't learn anything from 2020 and 2021, it's that we do not have control. We thought we did, but we don't, right? I mean, we thought we knew what everything was going to happen and how it was going to be laid out and things were going to be good because this was going to happen and blah, 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 blah. And then we looked around and went, oh, Global pandemics, I guess that's a thing that we hadn't really considered. It hasn't happened in a hundred years or whatever. And yet here we are and everything changed in literally in my life one afternoon. Just changed like that. Crazy. Well, I thought I was in control. Now I realize that was perceived, but it sure wasn't reality. Can I get an amen on that, right? So what are we afraid of? We're afraid of these things and other things, but I didn't mean to give an exhaustive list. Um, I'm afraid of people choosing bad movies on Netflix, but that's just what I am afraid of. Let's go to this next slide. (laughs) Don't miss this. In every one of the four times, the first four times, an angel appears to make an announcement about Jesus' birth. The angel begins his message with some form of do not be afraid. So this is so important that we grasp and understand that the concept here is, is that God is not cavalier. God is not unconcerned. God is not breezing through and going, get with my program. It's all fine. It's not like that. God understands what it is like to be human. That's what is so beautiful about the incarnation that as he came to live with us and live in flesh and live in a, a body like we have, He understands what fear can do to you. He understands what fear can do to me. Now, I'm not talking about the the scare in the moment. I'm talking about the long-term fear that we allow to stay in our life that we never actually address. But here is what I would encourage you. Just know that when God is saying, here, give those fears to me, he's not going, this is ridiculous. Give me that. Come here. What are you thinking? Don't you have any faith? It's not like that. It is instead a a taking of your fears and saying, come on, give this to me. You don't need to carry it. I'm going to be taking care of this burden for you. You don't need to worry about it any longer. And besides for that, the weight on your shoulders that you might not even have taken the time to realize is there. The deep breath of relief that you have needed for months, maybe even years, possibly even decades, is available not just as you shrug off the burden, but as you shrug off the burden and give it to one who can handle it all. That's who God is, and that's why he came in the first place, to walk in our shoes and to be with us. The message from the angels that comes directly from God is do not be afraid. Let's go to this next slide. So how do we win over fear? I'm going to give you three ways real quickly. How do we win over fear? First of all, we run toward the light. I already mentioned this. I already mentioned this in passing, but I want you to be reminded of this. Sometimes the thing that you need the most is the thing that you want the least. Do you remember the story of Elijah? 
when he was desperate and he was at the end of his emotional rope, he needed a friend to help him because God literally prescribed that for him. He said, Elijah, you need a friend. So when you leave this place, what you're going to do is you're going to go and get a person who is the confidant for you. He's a, a mentor and a mentee for you just right there in that place, right next to you all the time. But that is not what Elijah, or Elijah did. What he did was he distanced himself. I know a little bit, a very, very, very small amount about NA and AA, but one of the sayings that they say in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous is, sometimes the meeting you want to attend the least is the one that you need to attend the most. And for many of us in our world and in our mentality and in our mind, whenever we feel darkness creeping in, God knows why, because I sure don't. We run away from the light, not towards it. Now, let me just ask you guys a quick question. And I know who I'm dealing with here, so I already know step number one. All right, I know who I'm dealing with. Here's step number one. Let's imagine, let's just play a little game of imagination. And as you lay in the bed and you hear a large noise in your house late, late at night. I know I'm talking to a bunch of people from Texas, so the first thing you do is grab your gun. I get that, all right? I get it. <laughs> but the second thing you do is you go, <clears throat> and you look around and you go, what was that? And if you start walking somewhere, you're not gonna try to be walking around in the dark. You wanna flip on a light. Right? You want to flip on a light because you want to see what's going on. One time, Shelly and I had something fall. Lord knows, I, we don't have pets. I mean, we had kids, uh, but we had, you know, no pets. But for some strange and odd reason, something fell off the shelf in the middle of the night, and we heard it. We had like hardwood floors. I mean, hardwood meaning laminate hardwood floors, but bang, big noise in the middle of the night. <laughs> you know, that fear that jump scare fear. And we're like, okay, now jump scare fear is gone, but I'm afraid of what comes next, right? And so I'm in the process of like, what am I gonna do? Well, the one thing I wanna do is I wanna turn on the light so I can see what's happened. I don't wanna go around in a flashlight. <laughs> I sure don't want any bad guy who might possibly wanna find me somehow. I don't wanna show him where I am. I'm right here, come and find me. Mm -mm. I want light so I know who's coming, know what's going on. And suddenly you click on the light and you're like, what in the world made this stupid thing fall off the shelf? Like we don't have any pets. We don't even have any kids at home anymore, for goodness sakes. What made that happen? I don't know. But the crazy thing was, was that turning on the light changed everything in our perspective. Everything. And we went from fear to laughter. Like, oh, that's all it was? Why in the world did that? I don't know. Have you ever had any experience like that? It's funny, isn't it? How light changes everything when you're fear, uh, afraid and in the middle of fear. It is so important for you to understand you got to run towards the light and not away from it. It scares me. It scares me that in the midst of our pandemic, mental health has been a huge issue that has exploded. 
It scares me that alcohol and drug use has mushroomed in the pandemic. Like that's scary stuff. Those are bad trends. Those are people running away from the light and not towards it. Do you guys understand? I'm not trying to be on anybody. I'm not trying to poke a sore, but I'm here to tell you, you don't want to run that direction. You're running towards the darkness and not towards the light. Turn around and run towards the light. And can I just tell you something? You're not alone if you're a person who tends to run away from the light. The truth is, is that we've been doing this since the Garden of Eden. You remember when we sinned and the apple was eaten and all that stuff, and then God starts walking through the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day, and he's calling out, hey, Adam, hey, Eve, this is the New Texas version, y'all. Hey, Adam, hey, Eve, where y'all at? (laughs) Right? Where y'all at? And then Adam says, well, uh, I'm over here kind of hiding behind this tree. He's like, why are you hiding? And how do you know what hiding is? You haven't been hiding all of your existence. Suddenly you're hiding. Why are you hiding and who are you hiding from? Like, well, you don't understand, God. I'm naked. And so I didn't want you to see me. And so we look around and he goes, who told you you were naked? You see, there's a, there's a guilt within us that comes out from sin that makes us run from the one who can actually heal us and help us. And if you have gotten yourself into a hole of sin, you are probably running away from the light at this very moment. But I'm here to tell you that running away from the light is not where you will find healing. And it's not even really where you find comfort. You'll be more comfortable for a moment but then you'll just realize I'm just in the same darkness, if not deeper than it was before. The truth is, is that in that passage of scripture in Isaiah chapter nine, he says, those walking in deep darkness have seen a great light. Here's what I'm sharing with you. The beautiful thing about Christmas is, is that he's not just here for a little bit of darkness. He's here to dispel the deepest, darkest darkness that you and I have in our lives, and he dispels it all with his power and with his presence, but we have to decide to turn towards the light instead of running away from it. Can I get an amen? Amen? All right, let's go to this next slide here. John chapter 3, 19 through 21, tells us exactly what our mentality is, and it is this. This is John writing. He says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Y'all see? Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. I'm here to tell you, I'm not here to pick or poke at you, but I'm here to tell you as a personal testimony that there are things in my life that I used to hide, and the more and more and more I put those things away, the better and better and better my life gets. The less complicated it gets, the more joyful it gets, the less stress, fear, anxiety, frustration, hurt, and anger I feel. If any of y'all have any of those, trust me, go towards the light, not run away from it. Let's go to our next slide here. Don't miss this. I talked a little bit about this last week. Both Herod and the wise men were given the same choice when Jesus entered the world. Herod chose warfare 
and the wise men chose worship. Here is the truth for you and for me. He is there. He is stepping out of eternity into our darkness. He is there to be the light of the world. You choose how you respond to it. You can be at war and at odds with God, or you can say to him, you know what? I'm just going to bow down and give you what I got. It's probably not enough. It's probably not sufficient for you. You deserve better, but here's all that I have, and here it is. And if we give that over, then we understand we're choosing worship, and because of that, we become healed in our lives and in our hurt places. So let's go to this next slide. How do we win over fear? First, we run toward the light. And then secondly, we let God be the one who helps dispel the darkness and fear. I've talked a little bit about this, so let's make sure and understand that letting God be the one who helps dispel the darkness and fear is so important and so vital. Let's go to this next slide. This is from Tim Keller, the hidden Christmas book that I've encouraged you to read. Super easy read, about three and a half hours on Amazon and Audible. It's really great. It's really great. I've actually listened to it twice, and I'm not the only one in this, in this uh, place and in this sanctuary who's planning on listening to it twice. Uh, he's already listened to it once. You know who you are, Frank Smith. But anyway, as we go on, he says these words. This is something that he says. He says, behold. The older translations say, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Y'all remember that? You've heard that for a long time, right? So what is he saying? He's saying, The modern translations usually skip the term behold, considering it an English archaism. In other words, it's just archaic and they just got rid of it because it's unnecessary, according to modern translations. But there really is a corresponding Greek word there in the biblical text. The angel literally says, do not be fearing, be perceiving, for I am telling you the gospel. That's what he's literally saying in Greek. And this is the principle, behold and you won't be afraid. If you take time to comprehend, that is, behold, what is in the gospel message, it removes fear that has dominated and darkened your life. Let's keep going. To the degree you truly behold, that means gaze at, grasp, relish, internalize, and rejoice in. To the degree you truly behold the gospel, to that degree, the fears in your life will be undermined. In other words, If you are dealing with fear and it feels like deep darkness is setting in in your life, I encourage you, remind yourself that the light of the world came to dispel the darkness, that he came to replace our fear with trust in God. But it is not his choice. It is yours and mine. Let's go to this next slide. How many of you know what this is? It's not the friendly ghost. Look closer, all right? How many of you know what this is? Any of y'all know? A few of y'all? If you can't get a sense of this box's size, I've got another slide here. This, this is the size that it is. If you don't know, prepare your mind to be blown. Because the next slide shows you what is actually in this box. It is a king-size mattress. Mind blown. How many of you have ever moved a king-size mattress before? (laughs) Oh, my word. Oh, my goodness. How they fit that in a box is a modern miracle. That's got to come from elves in the North Pole. Amen? Right? I don't know how they do it, but that's what they do. They stuff a king-size mattress in a box that is about this high. And you're wondering to yourself, Randy, where are you going with this? Here's where I'm going with this. 
There's a lot more in that box than you ever could imagine and ever realize. In Christianity, there's a lot more there than you ever realize. <laughs> there are people who, who talk about uh, how, how, how a, a middle school player in basketball can't play with the high school players and the high school players can't play with the college players and the college players can't play with the semi-pros and the semi-pros sure can't handle the NBA. There's levels to this game, son. That's what they would say. They'd say, there's levels to this game, son, and you are not on this level. For most of us, here's the problem. There are levels to the game of Christianity and we get a little bit and we go, I guess I know it all. <laughs> I guess I got it. I got most of it. I've read through the Bible once. It's an amazing thing. My, my grandfather was 90 plus years old. I think he was 92, 93 years old. And he told me one day on a phone conversation, one of the last ones I had with him, he had been a pastor all of his life. And I said, what you doing these days, Papa? I said, what, what's keeping you, you know, up and what are you enjoying and what are you experiencing? He said, you know, Randy, to be honest with you, he said, I'm just loving going through the word of God. He said, I read every single day and it's incredible to me that I would find something new because I've been doing it for decades. I've been reading the word of God for decades and yet I see something brand new every single time I read the scriptures. I heard somebody say one time that, that the, the, the truth of, of the gospel and God's word is so easy that it can be understood by a child and yet it is so deep that it can keep theologians wondering and grasping at straws for the rest of their lives. The truth of the matter is there's levels to the game of Christianity. And if you're still dealing with fear, you know what that is? That's a nudge for you. It's time for you to go up another level. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. And maybe January and December and all that would be a great time to start. Just saying. All right, let's keep going here. All right, I'm almost done. Win over fear. How do you win over fear? The third thing is stop reacting and start resting. Man, in the middle of this, in that jump scare moment, what do you want to do? You want to, we got to do something. We got to, we got to fix it. We got to, you know, we want to, you know, that kind of thing. Do any of y'all, or is it just me, the bops, right? You know what I'm talking about. How quick can I get something? Got to hurry, got to hurry, got to rush, got to rush. I mean, we got to do that thing. That's not what God came for. He didn't come and say, and now that I'm here, you got to be on your toes. <laughs> Make sure that you get every single thing right because it's all on your shoulders. He says, no, no, no. I've come that you might have peace on earth, goodwill toward men, all of the different things that we know that the Christmas season is supposed to bring to us. And in the midst of it all, for most of us as Christians, we're way too busy reacting and we're way too bad at resting. We think it all depends on us. And yet the truth is, is what we ought to do is we ought to be praying and connecting with the God who said, it actually all depends on me. I'll take care of this for you. So stop reacting and start resting. This is how you win over fear. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but let's be honest. When God comes into this world and sends his son, it's so important that we grasp and understand what's going on. And when he says, behold and fear not, fear not, behold, these things go together and they're our way of winning over fear. 
So I don't know what your fear is, but I do know who has the answer for it and who has the antidote for it and who can fix that for you. It is not you. (laughs) And that might disappoint some of you, but for a lot of us, that's a good thing because I didn't have enough on my own without it. Let's go to this next slide. Tim Keller, one more quote real quickly. God did not merely write us information about himself. He wrote himself into the drama of history. He came into our world as Jesus Christ to save us, to die for us. Behold, look, won't you trust somebody who did all of that for you? The angel is saying, you want relief from all of your fear? Behold, look at Christmas, look at what he did. If he did all of that for all of mankind, don't you know he cares deeply about you? Whatever that is that you're fearing. That is who Jesus is. I would just simply say again, Jesus came to our world to end our fear and replace it with trust in God. How do you apply this message? Very, very quickly. Um, I guess these are the questions that I want to ask. Is there a fear that has a hold of you? Any of those fears that I mentioned earlier? What about the one that didn't show up here? What about that fear at the end that's saying, hey, one more fear for all of us? The truth is, is that these are fears. I don't know what it is for you, but I know that the Lord is the one who can deal with that. And then we go to this, how do you apply? You see the light for what he has done for you, and you share the light with the people who are walking in darkness. See the light for what he has done for you. If he's done all of this for you, I promise your fears are important to him. But then, if you know somebody who's walking in darkness, I would encourage you, share the light with them, especially here at Christmas. What a great time of year to be reminded of who God is, that he wrote himself into, mid, into the middle of human history so that everything could be changed for all of us. He and I have a rhythm and a routine here in our humble home, and that morning he was messing it up. See, he comes in at 7.12 every morning on the nose, I hear his boots hit the floor. I make the coffee. He washes the pasture off of him and we take our toast to the patio. That's our thing. He's a quiet man, likes the one word answers, that one. And then he's off to bed. He he keeps the herd at night. Oh, how my parents looked at me when I told them that I'd fallen in love with a shepherd boy. But um, that's a story for another time, or never. But that morning, there were no boots, only quiet, quiet like my husband. And before I could get to the front door, it slammed. It was, it was loud, it was different, as if the front door knew something I didn't know. My husband yells for me, he yells for me. Maybe he's hurt, maybe he's lost the herd, he's out of breath. He's saying my name as he takes my face in his big hands. His eyes, they're full of fear, no awe. Tears are running down his face and he can't stop talking, ranting about this bright light that fell out of the sky and angels Yes, that is what I said, angels, hundreds of them all over the field proclaiming good news. But what did he mean 
news. Now I know my husband, the shepherd, he will never hold the scepter of a king, never sit with dignitaries to solve the world's problems, never even be invited to a meal where he has to wear a suit. But he was given the greatest edict in all the land, all the world, actually, called to the front lines by God himself to proclaim this good news. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you that you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. I can say it in my sleep now. I can see it sometimes too. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. God was pleased with my husband, the shepherd. His boots hit the floor a little later on these days and that's okay because he is telling anyone who will listen the good news.